Hey, good morning. How you doing? Come on, give me a better good morning. How you doing? It's exciting to be with you this morning. My name is Troy. My wife, Darla, and I get the absolute privilege to pastor this church. And if you're visiting with us, we want to give you just a couple of announcements before we get into the Word today. First of all, if you're looking for a way to connect, there's actually two ways to do that. Uh, when you came in, you were given something that looks like this, and inside of it was a connection card, kind of a paper connection card. You can fill that out for us, and I'll tell you what to do with it in a minute. Uh, if, you, if you don't want to do that, you want to stay digital, you can actually do what we call text to connect. And so that information will come up on the screen. You can text VICTORY18 to the number 31996. And that's going to send you a digital connection card that you can fill out as well. That's obviously, for, especially for those who are watching online. But if you're with us today and you fill out one of those, if you'll do us a favor and take it to the Welcome Center in the lobby, we have a gift for you that we just want to give you and say, hey, thank you so much for spending your Sunday with us. It also gives me the opportunity to reach out to you this week and just make a connection and find out more about you and how we can help you get plugged in here at Victory Church. Also, if you're looking for a way to give, we do that in three ways here. Uh, you can do it through our online portal, which is our website, our app. Uh, you can also text to give, similar to text to connect. That information will come up on the screen. Or as you're leaving today, there'll be some auditorium host at the door with a bucket if you'd like to give cash or check or uh, however you might want to do. I always like to take a second to do two things in regards to giving. Number one is to thank you to those who, who support Victory every month. Uh, we're able to do so much, not just in the building, but outside of the building. You're going to see some of that today. Um, but I just thank you for your faithfulness. It's really exciting to be able to walk into rooms with confidence about our involvement because of the faithfulness of our church. And we're seeing miracles literally as uh, right now in this place, as you know, we are moving into our building in a couple of weeks, and that's bringing obviously new financial demands, but our church is stepping up to it in faithfulness, and I'm really, really excited about that. Uh, and so a couple of things before we get into that. When you walked in, you were given uh, one of these. It was kind of a, uh, I guess you call them bulletins. I forget what you call them nowadays. But if you'll open it, uh, inside of it is just what we call some frequently asked questions about our building. Our goal is to have our first Sunday service in that building March 20th. And so if everything goes, come on, give God praise for that. Get excited about it. Um, so if everything goes to plan, we only got about three or four more weeks in here. So there's some frequently asked questions, the address, uh, you know, just different things. And obviously, I'm always in the lobby after service if you have questions beyond that. Uh, there's also some events on here that I want to remind you of. One is our men's night coming up Tuesday, March 1st. Yeah! We, look, we are already over 20 men coming to this event. So you better come on and register. We're going to throw axes at each other. It's going to be an awesome time hanging out. Um, also, you'll see Growth Track, and so this Sunday, right after service, is Growth Track. It's about a 35, 40-minute class, and so if you've been visiting, or maybe you're visiting today, and you're wanting to learn more about the church, you're wanting to get connected, maybe you're wanting to serve on a dream team. We have great dream teams in our church, from our worship to production, our V Kids ministry, as well as our First Impressions ministry. You can go through that class, like I said, 30, 40 minutes, you'll be in and out, we'll get you all the information you need, get you rolling uh, into getting connected. So do that for us. It's really exciting for you to do it uh, as we get ready to move to the building, because as we get ready to make that move, church, there's going to be so many needs uh, that are going to come, and obviously the present needs that we have with kids ministry and worship ministry and production ministry and first impressions ministry, that if you've, if you've been coming and enjoying the church, come and join one of the dream teams as we get ready, because I just believe, and people keep saying this to me, that as we move into that area, we're going to see some major growth. We're going to see a lot of new people come to know the Lord. 
And with that, we want to be able to minister to them and serve them well through kids ministry and our production ministry and so many different things. So join the team so you should be ready for that. Also on this bulletin and at our welcome center, there's an opportunity for you to sign up if you want to be involved in kind of the renovation process of the building. There's not a lot to be done. We technically could have church in it tomorrow, but obviously we'll go in and put our thumbprint on it and our culture in it. And so if you want to be there for that uh, process, we'd love to have you with us. You can sign up and we'll, we'll keep you informed on what those dates look like. Um, one of the biggest passions about Victory Church is our outreach ministry. Um, we, we, we partner with so many different organizations. We're, we're really big on not just having or seeing God move here inside this building, but outside of the building. And because of that relationship with the community, we've, we've made a lot of great partnerships. And what we're trying to do this year is, is once a month focus on, or, or every month focus on one partner during that month. And I mentioned to you over the past couple of weeks that we were going to use this month to really focus on our partnership with the YMCA. So the North Rutherford YMCA, which is on uh, Sam Ridley Parkway, is actually the YMC that is out for the Antioch, Laverne, Smyrna type area. It's a powerful, powerful program. And it's not just, I said this last week, it's not just a swimming gym. Uh, there's so much more to it. And so last Sunday, we had some of the, the staff here and we were given free blood pressure tests. And, and I've been excited about this Sunday because this Sunday we got a special guest with us that I just want to share for a few moments. Uh, six months ago, Hodge Patterson took over as the executive director of that YMCA. And as you know, I serve on the board. And so we made a friendship and he has become one of my just great close personal friends. And I love his vision. and I love his heart. And I've asked him to come and just share real briefly about all that God is doing and all that's happening through that YMCA. So would you do me a favor? Would you welcome Hodge Patterson? Come on up here, brother. I got your mic for you, man. You ready to go? Uh, he told me when I talked to him, he said, I'm ready to preach. And I was like, hold on, bro. That's my job. Like, you know, you, you stick to your job. So share a little bit about what's happening. Here, yeah. come stand right here so the camera oh, catches okay. you. All right. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you, Troy, for uh, allowing us to come here. And, and yeah, last week uh, you guys took part of it. We, we served over, I think we did over 230 total. So you guys were a part of 230 Go on. just free blood pressure screenings. So um, yeah, again, my name is Hodge Patterson. And, uh, you know, our goal at the Y is really just to help you know, we're founded on Christian principles. We want to help all people reach their fullest uh, potential through spirit, mind, and body. And um, so for my team, I, was, I think when we, when we accomplish that, we can be an overwhelming force for good in the community. And that's my kind of personal mantra. And so we do that through uh, three focus areas. That's social responsibility, um, healthy living, and then youth development. And what I wanted to share with you guys and what, um, you know, really, and you talked about six months ago, I'm no stranger to the Y. I've been with the Y for seven years, but when, we, when I came in and we looked at, okay, we do domestic violence awareness. We have a 5K, 10K race in the fall, honoring two women, local women that lost their lives uh, to domestic violence. And I said, what, what are we doing besides that? And so we really, and with the board's help, and, and really with Troy, just the vision of how can we do more? And so we had the race, and then it said, you know, how can we love on families that are going through this during the holiday season? And so we connected with a shelter down in Murfreesboro, and um, we were able to commit to 20, 20 families and so that were staying in the shelter. And that's where Troy pushed me on that one. Because uh, we were like, hey, if we just support any and said, hey, Victory Church is coming in. And so you guys should be proud of that. Because um, we were able to take uh, Christmas to 20 kids. And not only 20 kids, to families. Uh, we, we served 20 kids. We had over 230 items to wow. give to people that are not just families, but adults that were staying in the shelter. And Sherry, the operations director, was just in tears uh, and just overwhelmed in joy and said, this is our largest partnership. 
uh, that we've ever done for the Christmas time. And my response was, well, how many more kids did we miss? Because that's where, that's where we're going. That's what you guys are a part of. And so just doing those right things. And so that's one we're building. We're going through trainings uh, for our leadership team to better support um, families and victims at the Y. That way we can provide them another safe place. Um, and then a healthy living, uh, that's, so that's one of our focus areas, healthy living. Um, we offer ABC program, which is after breast cancer uh, for survivors. So it's a program for survivors, led by survivors. It's a 16-week program, free of charge. We include memberships, personal training, counseling services, and we have a great leader. And so we started that right before. Um, it was the first time we've had it at this Y, right before I got here. And, um, I, you know, I, my grandmother fought through it, and so I'm, I'm very passionate about growing that program. You'll see on, on March the 1st, I can share the uh, information. We partnered with St. Thomas Ascension to have uh, their mobile services out there for mammograms. So that's something that we can share a link. We just want to make it easier for anyone. Um, and, then, and then finally, healthy living. Uh, is, you know, youth, or, uh, youth development, I'm sorry. Uh, youth development side of it, that's a big thing. You know, youth are in crisis right now because adults are in crisis. And so how can we provide that? We have the summer camps, we have swim for water safety. And, and so that's one that we're really building um, support around. And uh, we'd love to invite you guys on April 30th. We're gonna have Healthy Kids Day. Love Victory Church to have a set up there, just a fun, family, engaging uh, environment. And so that's something I can share more with. Um, but that's where we're going. That's what we're doing. And, you know, the reason I'm excited is our service area, like Troy mentioned, is, is uh, Antioch all the way down to Murfreesboro. And I was looking at our numbers. We're, we're growing, obviously, like everyone. And um, we have over 8,000 members and 43% of our membership base that are re receiving uh, financial assistance are in between Antioch and Smyrna. And so the reason I share that with you guys, I'm excited about how we're going to be able to, to collaborate and work together and, you know, meet the needs. That's, you know, that's a, that's a large uh, part of our uh, community that we haven't really got out to. And so with you guys moving up, I really think, um, I think, you know, I'd ask you, because it's been tough with staff recently, I said, you know, always here before, and this was the other day when he was working out, I was bugging him. I said, you know, always here, I was trying to think of something to share with staff. You, you hear, uh, you know, the calm before the storm. And I said, I'm overthinking. I said, well, what happens after the storm? I'm trying to, like, motivate our staff. And, and Troy said, just right, right off, he said, sunshine. And so I feel like with you guys moving into Antioch and with us right there, we can be the sunshine for a there lot of people. There we in go. Between. So Come on I'm and give God here. praise so thank, for that. Thank you for letting me share. Y'all better shout. Uh, so, I, yeah, I just thank you guys for pouring into us. And, and, and there's a lot of great things ahead. I want to just bold what you said a couple things there. First of all, the domestic violence. You know, some of the things that, you know, they, they'll open up the facility for showers and different things. And obviously, you know, again, a, a gym giving 20 kids Christmas and over 200 items to families. And then ABC, I love the fact that you said they get that 16-week program for free. So they have free membership. They, they, they give $200,000 a year away to scholarships so that people can come into the gym who can't quite afford it and be able to live healthy. And I just love that fact, y'all. This, this is what we're doing. This is what we're partnering with. Yes, I do work out there in the mornings, but we're impacting lives through this program. And one of the reasons why I love you so much is your vision is insane. Your vision's incredible. It challenges me. And so I just want you to understand that Victory loves you. And Victory, because of your faithfulness, we write Right now, I want to sow $1,000 into all that you're doing, all right? Come on. Come on and give God praise. Love you, man. Love you. Come on. One more time. Give it up for Hodge. Hey, I'll take thank that mic so, so you don't have to hold on to it. Thank you, brother. I, thank you so much, babe. 
uh, I, I just, I can't talk about him or brag about him enough. And even though he jokes that he bugs me, he doesn't bug me. Every time he's coming, I see him. He, he, the Bible says iron sharpens iron. And that's just true. When you get around somebody who's got a vision, who's got a heart for God and got a heart for God doing great things. And I just think it's so exciting, church, that, that we partner with that. You know what I mean? When you hear about, I've heard testimonies from women who have gone through that uh, ABC training program and to be able to sit back and go, man, we were able to help provide that. Like she didn't have to pay a dime after she's going through all this trauma of what she went through. She didn't have to pay a dime for that program. And we were able to help support that. And same thing through domestic violence. And, and we're, we're working now. I've been talking about connecting Empowerment Incorporated with their youth development, a ministry that we already partner with. And it's just exciting. Like you should, how great is God, right? Like one side, we're rejoicing over this brand new building that we're going to see people get saved. On the other side, we're seeing him do all these great things in the community, and it's because of your faithfulness. And so I just love to take moments to say, those of you that support Victory financially, yes, we are able to put on an amazing service every week, but we're doing so much more outside of the building, impacting lives. And here's the cool part. You're changing lives that may, you may never come across right? But the day you're in heaven, I guarantee you there'll be a conversation. They'll be like, you supported that ministry? Because that ministry, I'm here. You know what I mean? It's that awesome kind of stuff. All right. You ready for the word? Come on. All right, we'll, we'll give it one more time. Don't get me excited now. All right, I ain't started yet. I can't get excited yet. All right. You ready for the word? All right. All right. So turn to your Bibles, whether it's your phone or your book, to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. All right. We're going Old Testament today. Uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, do the right thing. That's a psych comment. I don't know if you saw that, but uh, Deuteronomy chapter 31. As you're turning there, let me just kind of update you. We're in a series called Promises. And what we're doing is every week we're taking a different promise that God has made us in the scriptures and we're focusing on it and we're bringing revelation to it. And in Deuteronomy 31 is the promise that we're going to look at today. That's the Old Testament time it's mentioned. It's also mentioned in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, which we'll look at towards the end. But I'm going to start at verse 1. I'll read to verse 6, and then I'll show you the promise for us today. <clears throat> it says, Deuteronomy 31, verse 1, Then Moses went out, and he spoke these words to all of Israel. I am now 120 years old, and I am no longer able to lead you. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Like 118, I got you, but at 120, I got to retire. You know what I mean? It's too much. Uh, the Lord has said to me that you shall not cross the Jordan. He's saying, I'm, not, I'm, I'm retiring. The Lord your God himself will cross over ahead of you, and he will destroy these nations before you, and you will take possession of their land. Joshua also will cross over ahead of you, as the Lord said, and the Lord will do to them what he did to Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites, whom he destroyed along with their land. The Lord will deliver them to you, and you must do to them all that I have commanded you. And now here we go. So he says to them, be strong and be courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. And here's our promise. You ready? He will never, everybody say never. He will never leave you or forsake you. He will never leave you. God will never leave you and he will never forsake you. I want to talk to you from the idea just for a moment this morning, trading nevers, trading nevers. When I was a teenager, I've shared this before from the stage, I was into uh, what they call collecting sports cards. 
So I loved basketball, I loved football, that was my main two sports. And they have these little cardboard cards, in case you've never seen them, and on the card will be a picture of the player. So, you know, I don't know, Penny Hardaway, y'all may not know who that is, but he's on the card and his name and statistics, and they have different cards. Some cards are, you know, regular cards, some are holograms, some are autographed, and you collect them. And so I was big into it. I had like, you know, your little binder that you had, and you opened it up, and there was these little plastic sleeves, and you could put the cards in the sleeves, and it was really awesome. And if you had a friend who also collected them, then it was pretty common for you to trade cards. That was kind of a common thing. Like I said a few weeks ago, now in our culture, it's really more like Pokemon cards and weird stuff like that. But it was more manly stuff back then, you know what I mean? Uh, but it was common to trade cards. And if you were just trading with a friend where you were like, hey, I like that character or that player, and you like that, can, can we trade? It was no big deal. But if you were trading more with somebody more for cost or, or, or gain, then it was important for you to know the value of the card you had versus the value of the card that you were trading for. And so if you were really into trading cards, and I, real quick, is anybody in here into trading cards? Just raise your hand. We got a few. Okay. If you were really into it, you would go look in this book that they called a Beckett. Okay. So it was a Beckett. It was a little magazine. You could open the Beckett and you could find your card based off of the year and the brand and the player. And you could scroll down and scroll over. And there was the amount that the card was worth. And so it'd be like the card was worth $8 or $25 or whatever. And now you're in discussion with your friend on whether or not you're going to make this trade based off of value. Now let's pause there for a second. Let me tell you this. Every one of us, Everyone in this room, at some point, we have said never about something. There was some point in our life where you and I said never. We made that statement, never. But unfortunately, the frequent use of the word never, the frequent use of that word in our culture has caused our never to decrease in value. So let me give you some examples. Maybe you said uh, I'll never move, right? I I'm never going to move. Maybe you said, I'm never going to get married. Maybe you said, I'm never going to get married again, right? Maybe you said, <laughs> maybe you said uh, uh, I I'm never going to have kids, or, or I'm never going to leave this job, or I I'm never going to forget you. Um, we're never going to break up, right? Uh, I I'll never love somebody the way that I loved you. Um, they'll never leave me. I'll never forget this place. I'll, I'll never start doing that. I'll never stop doing that. We've all at some point in our life said never. And if we were honest, we've all said never a lot. And it's the frequent use of our nevers that has resulted in the fact that our nevers have declined in value. We say it so often that when we say it, people don't believe us. Well, you said you were never going to do that before, and you did, so why would I put any value in your never now, right? Our inability to sustain our never has caused us to lose faith in God keeping his. Now, I need to say that again, because that's deeper than you received it. Our ability or our inability to sustain our never, our lack of faith in our never, 
has resulted in us losing faith in God keeping his. Now, I don't have a Beckett, but I do have a Bible. And what my Bible says is that even though our never has declined in value, God's never is still dependable. Even though our never is lacking faith, even though our never doesn't bring a lot of security, even though our never is one of those situations where it's like, yeah, I don't really believe it, God's never is still very dependable. And so this morning, I want to propose a trade. I want to talk about, just for a moment, making a trade. And here's the trade. Let's trade our never for God's never. You want to do that? You know, let, let, let's trade our never, whatever our never is. And here's what I'm learning about people. We all have different nevers, right? We all have different nevers. And it depends on what never we're on at this moment. You know what I mean? Like there's different nevers for different seasons. And I just wonder if we're willing to take our never and trade it for God's never. So in order to set this up, let's talk a little bit about our never. And then let's talk a little bit about God's never. Let's talk about the value of our never. And then let's talk about the value of God's never. So, so to talk about the value of our never when it, and be able to use a biblical backing, the absolute best story that we can go to is found in Matthew chapter 26, okay? So let me set up Matthew chapter 26, and then we'll read a couple of verses. The disciples are hanging out with Jesus, and Jesus would constantly say things that would cause confusion amongst the disciples. He would just say things, and they were trying to take it at face value, and it would get confusing, and they would have to try to walk it out with Jesus. And so this particular time, uh, the, the, Jesus is talking to the disciples, and he makes this comment that they are going to deny him or, and, and that he is going to end up being given to be crucified on a cross. And they're like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. And so this is what happens. We're going to start reading at verse 33. Watch this. Peter replies. So Jesus says this. Jesus says that I'll be betrayed and I'll be taken and, and killed. And, Jesus, and Peter says, whoa, 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 whoa. And I love this. Even if all fall away, even if everybody falls away on account of you, I, what? Never will. Jesus, even if all these suckers, you know, even if all these losers walk away from you, I never will. Now, here's what I love about Jesus is Jesus always keeps it very real. And so he looks at him and he says, listen, truly, I tell you, not only are you going to deny me, you're going to deny me tonight. And not only are you going to deny me tonight, you're going to deny me tonight three times. And not only are you going to deny me tonight, and not only are you going to deny me three times, you're going to deny me three times tonight before the rooster crows. Even before that happens. Jesus, I will never. You ever said that before? I'll never do that. I'll never stop worshiping you. I'll never. And Jesus is like, hold on, hold on, hold on. I understand your passion. I know you're excited, but let's just be honest for a second. Not only are you going to do what you're saying you're never going to do, you're going to do it in the next 24 hours. And here's what's so funny about this verse is Jesus is trying to give Peter grace for his never. Like, whoa, 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 don't say that. Don't say that. And Peter comes right back again and watch this. Even if I have to die with you, Jesus, even if I have to climb up the cross that you're on and be on the, you know, be in front of you, even if I have to die with you, I will never 
disown you. And I thought this was funny. He's so passionate about his never that now the other disciples are like, oh, yeah, yeah, me too, me too, me too. Yeah, 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 me too. <laughs> like when Jesus first said it, they were like, yeah, that might happen. That might happen. Like, you're crazy. You're a little wild. I don't know if we can do that. And Peter's like, I will. Ne-. Even if all these losers, you know, I think like they're sitting there like, man, that stinks. Like, leave it up to Peter, right? Peter's always that guy. So since Peter's so passionate about it, they're like, yeah, yeah, man, me too. We're never going to leave you. And I just think that that's so relatable to us today, especially when we start trying to live for God. We're so quick to give God our never. You know, I will never, I'll never fall away. I'll never do that sin again. I'll never, I'll never, I'll never. And I feel like there's a grace in Jesus going, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on with your never. You, you don't have a good track record of keeping your nevers. So, so hold on with your never. And we come right back around, oh, no, 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 no. I will never. And the more I'm reading this, I came to this conclusion. When Peter said never, he meant it. You know what I mean? Like when he said it, he meant it. I think when we read that in scripture, we think that maybe Peter was being sarcastic or maybe he was being uh, egotistical. I think he truly meant it. I think he loved Jesus. I think he loved what Jesus was about, what Jesus was doing. And I think he was pretty confident in himself. And so I think when he said it, I think he meant it. But listen to me. Anytime that we are in a place that we've never been before, facing a need that we've never had, we end up rethinking our never. We're so quick to say never. I will never. But then when you find yourself in a place you've never been before, right, in a place where you're uncomfortable or you're scared, when you find yourself facing a need that you've never had before and you're worried about your ability to survive, then you find yourself rethinking your never. For example, when when Peter said never, Jesus was at the top of his ministry. He was performing miracles. And even though all the religious people hated him, he had a huge crowd that was following him. When he walked into a place, he was the celebrity of the place in that area. And so Peter's under, as all the disciples are, they're under the impression that Jesus is going to take the throne. So it's pretty easy to be like, oh, I'll never leave you. You know what I mean? Like, like I won't go that direction. But it's just real easy to, to sometimes you got Holy Spirit's got to check you. You know what I mean? Uh, but it's real easy to say, I'll never when everything's looking up. It's real easy to tell your spouse, we'll never break up in the honeymoon period. You know what I mean? And when everything's positive, never. But watch this. When it comes time for Peter to deny Jesus, he's been arrested. He's been beaten. He's bleeding, and he is on the eve of his execution. So again, when Peter said never, I think he meant it. But he found himself in a place he had never been before, facing a need he had never had. And in that moment, he rethought his never. Similar to Peter, I think when you and I say never, I think we mean it. When you said never 10 years ago, I think you meant it. I think in the deep part of your heart, you meant it. When you said never two weeks ago, I think you meant it. When you say never in a couple of months, I think you'll mean it. But we live in a world that is constantly changing. 
We live in a, in a culture that can change like this. And all it takes is one economic crash, right? All it takes is one natural disaster. All it takes is one health pandemic. And all of a sudden, the whole world changes. And watch this. What we used to call never, we now call normal. All we need is something to be shaken. We can stand with confidence and say, I will never I'll never quit going to church. I'll never quit following God. I'll never quit loving you. I'll never quit. And you let something happen. Some of y'all, every time it snows and it gets crazy and people run to the grocery stores, you're like, I'll never act like that. <laughs> and then 2020 hit and you took all the toilet paper. <laughs> That's what you did, right? Because you were all about never. It's never when you felt confident. But when all of a sudden you were in a, look, I don't need more bread. I can make bread. But now toilet paper is a shortage. That's a need I've never had. You know what I mean? Like, Bait only has so many t-shirts that I can use. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just saying. I didn't catch that. Uh. But it's just something happens. And what we used to call never now became Normal. Let's talk about that for a second. Remember, uh, those of you that, that are married, remember some of the nevers you had before you got married? Remember that? Like, like some of you guys, you were like, you know what? My, I've seen women who will put like 20 pillows on the bed. My bedroom will never have pillows that I don't sleep on. Now you're in Target picking the pillows out. You know what I mean? Because what you used to call never is now normal. You know what I'm talking about? Those of you that have kids, remember what it was like before you had kids and all the nevers? <laughs> you went into Target and that kid was throwing a ridiculous fit. Remember that? That kid was laying on their back, kicking their feet, kicking their mom, calling their mom names. And you looked over at your spouse or your girlfriend or your boyfriend or whatever it was. And you said, our children? They will never act like that in public. Now, when you're in Target, you find belts from other men's and women's clothing areas just so you can beat your kid when they start throwing the fit in Target. You know what I mean? When, I hope this doesn't offend anybody, but by the time I say it, I think you'll, you'll be released from your offense. Uh, before we had kids, I would see people with children and they have the leash. You know what I'm talking about? And the kid would be running around on the leash. If you use that, just hold on. I love you. Hold on. I would see it and I'd be like, I would never, I would never put my child on a leash like a, like a dog. Now, not only would I use the leash, give me a shock collar. You know what I'm talking about? Like, give it all. I want her on a leash, and I want to be able to be like, sit down. You know? When you were young, remember all the things you said when you were young? And we have different stages of young in the room. I was talking, we, we, Darla and I got the privilege to go uh, uh, speak at a marriage conference yesterday in uh, Waverly, Tennessee for a pastor friends of ours. And they're like in their 20s. They've been married for just a couple of years. And me and him, Darla, at one point in the conference, Darla and her were doing a Q&A for women only. I was doing a Q&A for men only with him. And a guy asked a question and he gave an answer. He did. 
And then I gave an answer. And we were talking about it at the end once everybody was gone. And I said, hey, listen, your answer wasn't wrong. I said, but your answer was a young answer. I said, that, that, that was a 26-year-old no kids answer is what you gave. And I said, it was great for your season, but it's not good for coming up on 40 with two kids kind of answer. You know what I mean? Because we've all got nevers in different seasons. All my youth, look, look, you got nevers? They ain't gonna happen. I will never, I will never. Yes, you will. Right? I, I, I will never move out of my house. Yes, you will. Shoot, you'll be homeless. All my young adults, you got nevers. You know what I mean? All, all my 20, 25 and ups, you got nevers. All my 30s, you got nevers. My 40s, you got nevers. My 50s, you got nevers. And everybody ahead of you is looking back at your never going, <laughs> just wait. Give you an example. When Darla and I got married, I've never been a, I'm an old soul. Like, I'd be fine being 80 right now if you just let me. You know what I mean? Darla's real like, let's go out and enjoy life. And I'm like, let's go to bed. And uh, so when we got married, you know, it was all about this, like, exciting stuff. Like, what are we going to do? It's Friday night. Let's go downtown. And she's like, I'll be like, you know, babe, I'm, old. I'm never going to be like you. I'm never going to be old. So we went to Universal a couple weeks ago, right? Two things happened at Universal. Number one, if you would have seen us at any point in the line trying to get on a ride, we were both stretching. We'd have our leg up on something, bending, trying to pop our hips back in place. You know what I mean? I'm like, we would ride a ride and be like, nope, nope, our season's over for that ride. But if it would have been 8 o'clock and you'd have been walking around the Universal theme park looking for Troy and Darla, you wouldn't have found Troy and Darla. Because Troy and Darla were in their hotel room at 8 o'clock, laying in separate beds, <laughs> eating donuts, watching Golden Girls. And I've never had more fun in my life. You know what I mean? If you'd have told me at 21 that that's what I would be doing, I'd have said, never. But it's my now. Because when you end up in experiences you've never been in before, and you find yourself in moments of need, I need a hip replacement. I've never been there before. You know what I mean? When that happens, the things that you used to call never, you are now calling normal. We have to understand that our nevers are difficult to sustain because our lives are forever changing. You get married. You have kids. You don't have kids. You, you move. You change jobs. You, you know, things just happen. And because our nevers are often built on our emotions, they can be altered by our experiences. Most of the things that we say never to, when we say never, we're saying it out of emotion. We're saying it out of excitement. Oh, never, stop. We're saying it out of anger. I will never do that. But because it's built on emotion, it can be altered by experience. And you need to hear this. Our culture and our enemy simultaneously like to make us feel condemned when what we said would never happen becomes our reality. It's not God. It's culture. It's about 50% culture and 50% our enemy. 
that likes to make us feel condemned when what we said would never happen becomes our reality. For example, I never thought I'd be going through a divorce. You ever had to say that? Feel the condemnation of that? I never thought I'd be, I, I never thought that I'd be having to borrow money. I never thought I'd be living out of my car. I never thought I'd be filing for unemployment. I never thought I'd be looking for a job. I never thought I'd be dating again. I never thought that we'd be trying a third time to have a baby and without success. I never thought. I never, I never, I never, I never. And watch this. When you find yourself in the reality setting in the now that used to be a never, the world, the culture, and the enemy wants to make you feel condemned because what you used to say never to is now you're now. It's now you're normal. And we're setting in it, and some of us, we cannot believe that the thing we used to say never to is our normal. That's never happened in my family. I didn't think that would, you know, that would never happen to me. And, and I got a word straight to my heart this week from the Lord that, that I feel like those of you that you're now sitting in your never and the culture or the enemy is condemning you because what you used to say never to, it, you're now, it's now your normal. Here's, here's the word for you. God was not impressed by your never and he is not ashamed of your now. He was never impressed with your never. I, I think sometimes religion teaches us that when we say never, we make God proud. I'll never do that. Way to go, son. <laughs> you know, we're gonna give you a star on the chart. Isn't it interesting that Jesus doesn't celebrate Peter when he says never? Isn't it interesting that Jesus doesn't go, yeah, boy, that's what I'm talking about. You're better than all them other losers. He doesn't celebrate them. Oh, you're so full of faith, Peter. You're so spiritual. Jesus says, shut up. Truly, I tell you, you're not, bro, please, whatever. You know, whatever the cool. Not only are you going to fail, bro, you're going to fail tonight. He's not impressed with our never. And once we understand that, I think there's less shame when our never becomes now. When we fail at being able to withhold that or uphold that never, when we understand that God isn't impressed by it, when we understand that he died for it, I think we're able to kind of stand back in that and go, you know what? I know I'm now in my never, but I don't have to stay here. And so it's important for you to understand he wasn't impressed but it's also important for you to understand that he's not ashamed of your now because he didn't get excited about what Peter said, but he also didn't get mad at Peter. He wasn't like, oh, yeah, you know, whatever I was saying, like, oh, you're so spiritual, but he also wasn't going, you're going to hell, Peter. You know what I mean? And I feel like we're, 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 we're one or the other. I said I would never do it, and I did it. Oh, God is so ashamed of me. Oh, I said I would never do it. Now I do it. Oh, oh, no, God, God. Or, or I said I'm never going to do it. And oh, God's so impressed with me. We think it's one or the other. And there is grace for those 
who are setting in a now that used to be your never. This is the moment where God comes right at you with grace because you're in here today and you already know the now you're setting in that you used to say was never. And you, you're not sure if there's something wrong with you. How did I, you know, this has never happened to anybody else and it's happening to me. Is there something wrong with me? No. Well, when I said it, did God love me more because I said I wasn't? No. Does God hate me now because I'm, no. There's grace for those that are sitting now in something they used to say, never. Can I show you something in scripture that, I, that I've read this verse, y'all, probably really a hundred times. And there were two words in this that popped out to me that have never popped out to me before. I've kind of been studying the overall story of it, but there were two specific words that really jumped out, and I don't want to show them to you, okay? So let me just remind you of where we're at. We're going to go to Matthew 26. This time, we're going to start at verse 74. So remember, Jesus said to Peter, uh, not only are you going to de deny me, but you're going to deny me three times, and he said, you're going to deny me before the what? Rooster crows. That was his way of saying before the day is over, okay? So you're going to do it tonight. And he's giving him a time frame, okay? All right, let's fast forward to verse 74, and it opens up immediately a rooster crowed. So in case you didn't know how the story goes, Peter had denied him three times. Jesus was arrested. Peter follows him into the place that he's being kept, and three different individuals ask Peter, hey, didn't I see you with Jesus? Aren't you one of those disciples? And Peter said, no, I don't know who you're talking about. He did it three times, and then where we pick up in verse 74, the rooster crows. Now watch this. Then Peter remembered the word that Jesus had spoken. He remembered that Jesus had said, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. Y'all, I've read this story a hundred times. I could tell you without even looking at the Bible what happened with Peter and that engagement. The two words that I have never focused on like this before were the words wept and bitterly. I've never had those words jump off the page like they did this time. I looked up the word bitter and it means full of regret. And I had this thought, and go with me for a moment, because I don't know that you can theologically prove this necessarily, but it just seems right. I don't think that Peter was weeping bitterly because what Jesus said came true. I don't even know that Peter was weeping bitterly because Jesus was arrested. I think Peter was weeping bitterly because what he said he would never do, he had done. I think there was so much regret and so much shame on him because the very thing that he had looked Jesus in the eye and said, I will never do. They may do, but I will never do. It was full of shame. And the shame that he had on him because the thing he said he would never do was now his normal caused him to weep bitterly. Here was the revelation I had. Peter had done what you and I do. He had traded one wrong never for another wrong never. We don't have any problem trading our nevers. I'm about to show you how good you are. You're a master trader. I'm fixing to show you in a minute that you are so good at trading your never. The problem is the source in which you are trading your never with. Here's what Peter did. Peter traded 
I will never deny you. And he took on, God will never forgive me. Did you catch that? It's another never, but it's the wrong never. I'll never deny you. God's never going to love me. I'll never be good. I'll never do enough. I'll never be forgiven. God can never use me. God can never bless me. God will never do anything great through me. You see what I mean? And this is what we do. We establish our first never. I will never do blank, blank, blank. And that never is setting up our works. That never is setting up our ability to be holy and spiritual and all these things. And when we fail at that never, we trade it for another wrong never. I'll never be good enough. Uh, 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 God will never love me. God will never forgive me. And all we're doing is trading one wrong never for another wrong never. See what I mean? We do it all the time. And while Peter is setting in his never, you have to understand that by trying to maintain our never, it's exhausting. And by celebrating his never, it's liberating. When we trade our never for his never, watch this. Here's what we're trading. Our failure for his faithfulness. That's the right trade. Now, if you're not careful, you'll miss the power of what I just said. You are trading your failure for his faithfulness. Can I show you in scripture real quick? So let's go to the book of Hebrews. I told you that in the book of Hebrews, the promise is made again. So often what would happen in scripture is you'd have an Old Testament promise from God and it would be brought back up in the New Testament. So somebody would say, as God said then, it's true now. And they would state it again. So the promise that we see in Deuteronomy chapter 31, where he says, God will never leave you nor forsake you. The author of Hebrews says it again in uh, chapter 13, verse six, watch this. For God has said, I will never, never will I leave you Never will I forsake you. So there's the promise again, okay? Now, before we keep reading that verse, look at me for a second. I said at the beginning of this message that because of our inability to sustain our never, it's caused us to lose faith in God's never. So over time, the word never doesn't hold a lot of value for us. We're trading a very poor valued never, ours, in our mind for another poor valued never God's. Because watch this, if we don't believe in the aspect of never, then when somebody says never, we don't have a lot of faith in it. So we could look at a verse that says, God will never leave me nor forsake me. We'll read it and we'll just skim right over it and just say it like it's just something you say. Nah, God will never leave me nor forsake me. Eh. But our posture and our response to it proves that because we don't trust never, we don't put a lot of value in his. And so we'll crochet it on a pillow and we'll post it on our Facebook, but we don't live life like it's a promise from God that he will never leave you nor forsake you. So when you're sick and you're hurting, He'll never leave you. 
when you are going through a divorce and you're hurting, he'll never leave you. When you are struggling with an addiction, he'll never leave you. When you are dealing with anxiety and depression and fear and failure, he'll never leave you. When you aren't certain because your present doesn't look like you want it to look, he never left you. And I think that might be your word. Your word isn't he'll never leave you. Your word is he never left you. He never left you. He was one. And he's with you right now. So this is so good. Here's what I love about the book of Hebrews. The author, and sometimes I have to like put myself in the story because I wasn't there, but I try to think about what would happen if I was there. And I'm imagining the author of Hebrew, and he's writing, God said he will never leave you nor forsake you. And I wonder if he went, hmm. I don't know if they're going to see the value in this. I wonder how many times, I mean, Peter said never. And, and he did. I wonder if it's a chance that they don't put a lot of value in the word never. So he said, I need to put a promise on top of a promise. I need to habit stack. I need to do something that, that reiterates the seriousness of the promise that God will never leave you nor forsake you. So can you put, I'm sorry, can you put uh, Hebrews 13 back up for a second? So let's read it through from verse six to verse eight, all right? God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? And it goes on to say, you ready? Jesus Christ, say it with me, is the same yesterday and today and forever. The reason why we don't trust our never is because our lives are forever changing. And so it's hard for me to tell you I'll never when I don't know what tomorrow holds. It's hard for me to tell you that, that I'll never buy a ridiculous amount of toilet paper because I don't know that a global pandemic is going to happen. You see what I mean? But the author of Hebrews said you can trust the promise of God. You can stand on God's never. You can trade your never for God's never, and the value is insane because he is never changing. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Listen, my, my friend Brett, he, 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 we, we talk about trading cards. He was opening a pack of trader cards. He got a Joe Burrow card, and it was autographed. Ladies, I know you don't care about this, but just hang tight for a second. Christina, you love it. So, so, he, so Joe Burrow signed the card, and he pulled a card, and, and he was telling me about it, and he's like, I think I'm going to sell it. And I was like, all right, sell it. And so Super Bowl time came around, and I go over to his house, and he said, I sold the card. I said, you sold the card? Why'd you sell the card? He said, because right now it's worth a lot of money. He said, watch this. He said, if he wins the Super Bowl, the value will go up. He said, but if he loses the Super Bowl, the value will go down. So he said, I want to sell it now. He was telling me that the value of this card is based on his performance, right? He was telling me that whether or not he does well or does bad changes the value of the card. Hebrews is telling us it don't matter. He ain't going to do bad. He ain't going to do good. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the value never changes. Never will he leave you. Never will he forsake you. And you can trade your never for his never because he never changes. That's who he is. That's who he is. I was thinking about this. And before Darla and I moved here, babe, I remember saying to about our church in Memphis, I'll never leave this church. 
I remember saying that. And then God started stirring something in us, and we met with our pastor, and our pastor said, maybe you should consider planting a church. And I said, I'll never plant a church. And then we kept listening to God, which is normally a mistake to your never. And uh, <laughs> listen, real quick, side sermon. Some of you are saying never right now. Stop telling God never. There's somebody in here right now because we're moving. You said, I'll never move there. Then you're missing out on the movement of God. I'm telling you, don't, don't, I'll, I'll preach that later. So, so I, so we, we decide to move and we think about some of our best friends and we're like, let's ask our best friends to move with us. And we go, they'll never move with us. And then these idiots, they moved with us and we came here and we said, we'll never meet anybody who wants to go to Victory Church. And then God started sending us people who wanted to come to Victory Church. And then we said, we'll never find a place to meet. And my wife said, I'm gonna go to this school and ask them if we can meet. And I said, do it. And so she did, and now we meet. And then I said, you know what? We're never gonna have the money because we need 65,000 more dollars to meet our budget. We're never gonna have the money. And God said, I've already introduced you to somebody who wrote you a check for $65,000. And then we said, watch this. We said, nobody's, they're never gonna come to church here. And then we launched the church and it was great. And God was moving and we baptized people and people got saved and then Corona happened and we said, we'll never survive this. And for 11 months, Darla and I sit in our living room going, what in the world are we gonna do? We'll never open again. This will never stop. Our church will never be the same. And then in 2021, we opened, and we opened with like 30 people in the seats, and we didn't have V-Kids because we didn't have Dream Team. And we said, this will never work. People will never come back. And then people started coming back, and we started reforming our Dream Team. And then, watch this, I said, we'll never find a building. I looked everywhere and so I, I tried to have church in a 7-Eleven. Y'all, we'll have it on Sunday, you have it Monday through Saturday. I said, we'll never find a building. And God had somebody call me and say, you want a building? And then I said, we'll never be able to afford this. And Purpose Prevails came around. And I said, we got half the people in here. We've never raised that amount of money in our lives, we'll, we'll never, we'll never get $50,000. And now we've almost got $60,000 from that one offer. Come on, would you give God praise in this place? So the word for me is the word for you, and it's so good. Watch this. My never didn't change his never. Just because you are now in your never, it doesn't change his never. What you do doesn't change his faithfulness. What you said no to doesn't change his faithfulness. And thank God for this. My lack of faithful of faith doesn't change his faithfulness, right? And so my never doesn't change his never. Listen, you need to hear this from the mouth of God. He will never leave you. Well, you don't know what I've been. He never left you. He will never forsake you. He'll never stop chasing you. He'll never stop loving you. 
He'll never start, stop writing purposes and plans for you. He'll never stop anointing you. He'll never start putting something in you that has to get out. He'll never stop blessing you. He'll never stop. You receive this word? All right, about to hit you in the face. You ready? Worship team, y'all go ahead and come up for a second. I want y'all to be up when I say this, okay? This is important. Scout, but you need to keep listening because you're going to probably cry on your drums. <laughs> oh, this is so good. Thank you, Father. That your word is alive. I couldn't shake that thought. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I was studying on Peter again this week. Hey, look at me real quick. I'm studying on Peter again this week. And in case you don't know what happens, the book of John records what Peter does after Christ is dead. Once Christ dies, the Bible says that Peter goes back to fishing. That's what the Bible says, and it's recorded in the book of John. Later on, Jesus reveals himself to the other disciples, but he doesn't reveal himself to Peter yet. The Bible says that Jesus goes to reveal himself to Peter while Peter's fishing. If you study those scriptures, theologians will say the reason that Peter went back fishing is because Peter didn't know what else to do. So he went to do the thing that he was doing before he met Jesus. All right, did you catch that? He, he, he was fishing before him. So, so let me tell you real quick how Peter met Jesus. Because maybe you don't know. Peter's fishing in the boat. And he's a professional fisherman. And he's catching nothing. He doesn't know Jesus from any, he doesn't know Jesus. Jesus walks up and says, hey, Peter, did you catch anything? This is the first time they've interacted. Peter says, no, didn't catch anything. And Jesus says, hey, throw the net. Y'all remember this? Throw the net on the other side of the boat. And so Peter does, and it's the miraculous catch, and it's just this awesome story. Now, when I'm reading John and this process of Jesus coming back to Peter after he's resurrected from the dead, I started to realize this story mirrors that story. In John, Peter goes back fishing. And Peter's not catching anything again. And the Bible says that Peter hears a voice. Now we know it's Jesus' voice, but Peter doesn't know it at the moment. And the voice says, Peter, you catch anything? It's an exact mirror to what happened when Jesus met Peter. And Peter says, no, because he still doesn't know, Jeff. He still doesn't know. He thinks but he still doesn't know. And so it's the same response. He says, no. And Jesus says, throw it on the other side. And this time, instead of Peter doing it, the Bible says that Peter got out of the boat, almost butt naked, and jumps into the water and starts swimming to Jesus. And maybe you've heard it, and you're like, that's great. Okay, but then the Lord spoke something to me this morning. I said, Jesus, what's the point of the way you met Peter mirroring the way that you revealed your resurrected self to Peter? And Jesus said, 
I needed Peter to know I was the same before he said never than I am after he said never. I'm still the same. I was the same before you said it. I'm the same after you failed at it. I was the same before you ever said never. I'm the same after you said never and you're in your now. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's who he is. It's who he is. It's the story of grace. And I think the Spirit of God wants you to understand this right here. Who he was when you met him, before you failed, before you messed up, before you said, I'll never do that, and you did it, he's the same today. Jimmy, not one thing changed about Jesus from when he met Peter, but Peter denied him. Peter said he was going to follow him, and he didn't. Something should have changed about Jesus. You know what changed about the story? Y'all ain't got nowhere to go. Sit down. You, know, you know what changed about the story? Watch this. Jesus didn't change, but Peter's response changed. Jesus was the exact same, but this time Peter didn't waste his time putting the net back in the water. Peter jumped out of the boat and swam to Jesus. It's what happens when we trade our never for God's never. I'm through trying. I'm through standing on this idea that I'm never, I'm never, I'm never. I'm going to stand on the promise that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do me a favor and stand in this place right now. I want to give you an opportunity. You got to have an opportunity to respond to a message like that. Because I said it at the beginning, we all got different nevers. I love that you three are standing right beside each other because you have such similar stories in life and you're boys, but you got three different nevers. You got three different nevers. And either culture, look, no, don't say that. Okay. Either culture or the devil told you that you should be ashamed of the fact that what you said never to became your now. And Jesus Christ sent this message to you to let you understand who he was before you failed is the same he is after you failed. Because who he is doesn't depend on what you do. It's his faithfulness. It's his faithfulness. It's not ours. It's his. So what is your never? I, I have to get off the stage because you have to eat. But what is your never? What's your never? That you're in now that is overcoming you with shame and guilt. And God is saying this, hey, hey, give, give me that. Give, 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 give me that. And as you give me that, I'll give you this. That I will never leave you nor forsake you, for I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I'm going to pray. They're going to take us to that song, Same God, and I want to challenge you this morning, just for a moment. Close your eyes and just have that opportunity to give your never and receive his. Can we do that this morning? Father, right now, we just thank you. 
We thank you for your word that is alive. We thank you for your word that is life-changing and transforming. We thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm not. I'm different today than I was yesterday. I'll be different tomorrow than I am today. But therefore, I don't stand on my never. I stand on yours. And so for every man and every woman and every couple and every child and every, every person, every mom, every dad, every son, every daughter, every person in this room that is dealing with their never, I, never, I pray right now that there would be a moment of trade and that we could embrace and receive the fact that you are the God that never changes. The God of Moses, the God of Mary, the God of Jacob, the God of David. You never left them. You never left Moses. You never left Mary. You never left Joseph. You never left David. You never left Peter. You never left Paul. And you'll never leave us.